welcome to Life Church. It's so good to be here. My name is Dylan Johnston, and I am our Brookfield campus pastor. Good to be with you today. It is, it's good to be here, uh, especially because the campus that I campus pastor at is currently under mega renovations right now. Uh, if you have seen online or if you've driven by, they've been ripping up a sidewalk and tearing down walls on the inside. In fact, this next week, it's going to get even wilder. They're going to tear down some more walls. And, uh, but we're, we're excited. I mean, all of this um, demolition and everything that's going on is, is super exciting for us because we believe that as we we continue to renovate this building, continue to bring it up to the standard of Life Church, uh, that we'll be able to reach more and more people with the life-changing gospel of Jesus. So I just want to say thank you uh, for your continued investment, your continued prayers. And hey, if you want to uh, come by, swing by, take a look, see what it looks like, or even hop on Facebook, there's updates being posted on Life Church Brookfield Facebook page every single week. Um, you can see all of those updates there uh, on a weekly basis. So um, it's an honor to be here, to be able to to share with you um, today. I want to talk today from one of the parables of Jesus. In fact, I think this parable is so crucial to understanding the rest of Jesus' teachings that if we can grasp this parable, it enables us and helps us to uh, process through all that Jesus would communicate through the rest of his teachings. Uh, Parables are an intriguing concept. Uh, Parables are the primary ways that Jesus would teach all throughout the New Testament. It's the main way that he would communicate about the kingdom of God. The late great Tim Keller would say that parables are a way of taking something abstract and making it concrete. You see, but they're tricky things. They, they, they use comparisons and stories and similes in order to communicate a truth that uh, through the parable may, may not seem obvious at first glance, but as you dig down into the meat of what is being communicated, you would begin to understand what Jesus is teaching. It's easy to confuse them with things like fables, fables where animals are talking or with allegories where every little detail means something profound, but rather parables were used to communicate a central truth about the kingdom of God. And that central truth, often we have the benefit uh, of getting to see along with the disciples, that central truth Jesus would reveal not to the mass populace, but oftentimes to his disciples. Parables are different. Uh, in, in the 21st century American church, we are very used to finding a truth, p- plucking it out of the text, and then applying it to our lives, and that being how we live. Yet parables invite us in. Jesus would tell parables as an invitation to get to know God better. They're simple in detail, they're common in image, but they're often indirect in message. Simple in detail, common in image, yet they're often indirect in message. Mark chapter 4 is another version of the telling of the parable we're going to look at today. And in Mark chapter 4, Jesus would compare those on the inside getting to know the depths and the truths and the mysteries of the kingdom of God to those on the outside who do not get to understand, uh, possibly because they do not take the step inside parables. They're, They're not a backwards way to confuse people, but rather they are an open invitation, saying, come on in and begin to reconsider reality. With all of that, laying the foundation for where I want to go today, 
If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, in fact, it'll be on the screen in just a moment. It's, it's the common story, the parable of the sower. And yet I would even go so far as to title this message, this is really the parable about parables. It's the parable about parables. For if you understand this parable, all the other parables begin to make sense. If we grasp the truth unveiled through this parable that Jesus is teaching us, all the other teachings of Jesus begin to uh, have a foundation to take root in our lives. The parable of the sower. Let's read it. Beginning in verse 3, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears... Let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. To truly understand this parable, we've got to understand, Jesus did not just come to this earth for the forgiveness of our sins. That's a crucial part. Don't mistake me. That's a huge piece of it. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. Uh, that's what he says over and over throughout his tenure here on this earth, is I've, I've come to bring the kingdom of God to this earth. Yes, the kingdom of God includes the forgiveness of sins, but also it includes the redemption, the healing of all things, and the restoration of humanity. So then it poses the question, how do we enter the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, clearly here through scripture, through what Jesus says in this parable, the kingdom of God comes by hearing. Therefore, take heed how you hear. Earthly leaders, kings and queens, uh, um, uh, presidents and and vice presidents, rulers, leaders. Uh, Earthly leaders are very good at getting a hearing, and yet the kingdom of God doesn't come to those who get a hearing. The kingdom of God comes to those who are good at hearing, to those who are willing to listen. It's interesting we live in such a society where uh, we are so busy, we are so often moving, we are so often doing. I find that it's uh, very easy to hear, yet very hard often to truly listen. To truly receive what you are intaking. Listen, I am guilty of this firsthand. I listen to my podcast at one and a half or two times speed. I'm always trying to consume, trying to get all of the information in. Yet very often I have to rewind. You want to know why I have to rewind? Because my mind zones out. And what was 30 seconds of zoning out was actually a minute of podcast zoning out, and I missed the point entirely. We are such a busy people, but the kingdom of God comes to those who will hear. So take heed how you hear. The kingdom of God, it's, it's like a seed we begin to see in this parable. It's, it's not like a boulder. You see, a seed revolutionizes the earth, the soil, from the inside out. It revolutionizes it internally. But a boulder, a boulder would come and would completely transform the topical side of it, the, the, the topsoil. It, it, would, it would move and change and, and, and shift the earth, but it would not dig down deep into the soil. Yet, 
Oftentimes, what we want to do is utilize the word of God to, uh, to, to, to bum rush into subjects, uh, to, to, to roll into people, to, to roll into what we think, to roll into our society, to roll over the issues in our day. And yet what the kingdom of God is like, it's like a seed. It's like a seed that, that digs down deep and from the inside out changes everything. The kingdom of God comes into our lives and it's like a seed. And it's not always easy for us to process this. In fact, John the Baptist, uh, who, I mean, one of the greatest New Testament men that we see, he, he's the one who would prepare the way for Jesus, would, for Jesus to come and set foot on this earth and to lead in the way that he would. John the Baptist would find himself imprisoned and would find himself questioning, is, is this the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Is this the man, is Jesus the Messiah, the one who is going to bring the kingdom, or should we look for somebody else? You see, John the Baptist wasn't a bad man. He was a man who was wrestling with theology. He was a man wondering, why am I in prison if I am in service to a king? Maybe you found yourself like that before. Why am I going through this hard time if I am in service to a king? Why is my family wrestling with these issues? Why are my children running away from God? Why am I having these financial difficulties if I am in service to a king? Yet Jesus invites us to let go of how we perceive the kingdom of God and to come into the reality of what he wants us to learn. He wants us to receive the message of the kingdom. But it's a crazy message, isn't it? In fact, it's one that has been joked about, laughed about, made fun of. It's been uh, ridiculed for ages now. It's about this God king who left heaven and came to earth through a virgin named Mary, was born and lived a perfect and blameless life, and then died a death upon a cross, a brutal death that you and I could not endure and would take upon himself the pain and punishment that you and I rightfully deserve, and then would go into a grave and three days later would rise again and then ascend up into the heavens. That is what we believe. That's the story of the kingdom of God. It's the story of, of the, where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's, it's the story where his followers, Jesus' followers, would choose to follow his life by giving up their own lives. It's, it's a story where those who would follow Jesus would choose to daily die to themselves. Jesus comes not only to bring a kingdom through, not to bring a kingdom through conquering, but to bring a kingdom through love. The kingdom of God comes through hearing, so therefore, take heed how you hear. What Jesus is saying is that his kingdom, it's very easy to miss. Very easy to miss. Someone came up to Jesus in uh, Luke chapter 9 and would boldly state, Hey, I'll follow you. Wherever you go, I'll follow you. And Jesus would reply back to him something that at first glance may, may rub people the wrong way. He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus pushes back and says, this isn't an easy road. It's not a normal road. This isn't the road that is often taken. In fact, wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow are, is the road that leads to life. Which road are we on? For the kingdom of God comes through hearing, so take heed how you hear. That brings us to the principle of the sower. I think the, the principle, the principle of this parable is 
take heed how you hear. How are you hearing? How are you receiving? How are you listening? For the kingdom of God comes to those who hear. Jesus uh, would, would very often speak these parables and then he would get away with his disciples and his disciples were as dumbfounded as everybody else. Listen, before we get to looking at these disciples and thinking that they're the most amazing theologians and the deepest thinkers and the greatest philosophers, let's understand that the disciples were very often in the same confusion that everybody else was. Jesus would share these parables and the people would be like, what is he talking about? And the disciples would be like, what is he talking about? And then they'd get away from the crowds and they'd be like, hey, Jesus, what are you talking about? It's very often how like many of us in, engage with sermons or with the word of God. It's just like, what are we reading? It'd be like reading the book of Leviticus. It's just like, what are we reading, right? Like, very often they were confused. They were unsure and they would ask. And Jesus would say, hey, guys, it's not that difficult. This is what it breaks down to. And luckily, you and I have the benefit of getting to read how he breaks it all down. We, we get the inside track, the inside scoop. We, we get the, the microscope to peer into the scripture and to see the depths of what Jesus was communicating through the parable. So I want to take you to Matthew 13, beginning in verse 18. Jesus completely unwraps this whole thing. Here we go. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let them hear. Before I pose to us a few questions to process in regards to the type of soil that our lives are, I just want to, I, I, I just want to address the seed always remains the same. The seed always remains the same. It's the same seed. If the farmer is sowing pumpkin seed, it's pumpkin seed, it's pumpkin seed, it's pumpkin seed, and it's pumpkin seed. I don't know where pumpkins are planted. I don't know how that works. I don't know, do they grow on vines? I don't know. I'm not a farmer. I don't I have the opposite of a green thumb. I'll kill anything that I try to plant immediately. It's proven. I've done it. Yet, the seed Time and time and time again, it's the same seed. It doesn't change. And what you need to know, what we all should pay attention to, is the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And it's the word of God that is sown, and it's the word of God that is sown, and it's the word of God that is sown, and it's the word of God that is sown. That's one of the reasons I love working here at Life Church. 
It's one of the reasons I love working under Pastor Aaron. Because here at Life Church, it's always the Word of God. We're not going to do the Word of God plus selling you widgets. We're not going to do the Word of God plus selling you a five-week course of how to live a better life. We're, we're not doing the Word of God plus how to maximize your financial acumen in this world. We're not doing the Word of God plus how to vote on, 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 on elections. We're not doing the Word of God plus Word of God. Plus, no, no, no. It's the Word of God. And that's the seed that is sown week in and week out and week in and week out and week in and week out. And if that ever changes, Lord help us. But I'm thankful to be at a church where it's the word of God. Where the, the, the seed is nothing else. We're not, we're not sowing some seed here that's one thing, some seed here that's another, some seed here. But from kids church and early childhood where my two and a half year old is learning, last week we pick him up from Life Kids and he tells us about how Paul was shipwrecked and yet God protected him even though he was shipwrecked. He didn't say it quite that clearly. It was a little confusing. I had to decipher it. But luckily I read my Bible that week so I knew what he was talking about. Uh, but I'm grateful that from early childhood to elementary to youth to life church on a weekend, it's the word of God. Every single time we gather, the seed goes forth. It's the word of God. And it will not return void. My friends, that is a great thing to know. That you are in a church, and I'm a little biased, I know. I've been here six years, but I absolutely love it. You are in a church where the word of God will be taught. And it's not the word of God plus. It's simply the word of God. From Genesis, as Pastor Aaron would say, from Genesis to the maps in the back of the book, we're about it all. We're for it all. We believe it all. And that, my friends, is the seed that is sown into the hearts of men and women every single week. So take heed how you hear. Because the seed is the word of God. But the soil is what changes. The seed is the word of God, but the soil is what changes. I always find it interesting when I talk to people who have changed churches and, uh, and, and have switched from here to there. And I get it occasionally. You, you, you come to a season of your life where you need to make adjustments or you need to make a shift. But um, there's, there's been some people I've talked to over the years. And one, one response I often get of like, hey, where are you going now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Why would you switch? Well, I just wasn't getting fed. And what I often want to do, yet I often restrain myself, is say, really? You weren't getting fed? How long you been following Jesus? Oh, like eight years? Just so you know, the eating is your part. It's like, if I go to my parents' house now at 31 years old, and I expect them to feed me every second I get hungry, there's an issue, right? Like, I'm all for it, mom. Cook the meal, dad, flip those flapjacks. I'm, like, I'm grateful when they do. But if I'm reliant as a 31-year-old man to, to, to eat only when they supply food, oh, we got issues. No, no, no. I know when I'm hungry, and I know what will fill that need. I know what I need to eat. I know how much protein. Listen, if I'm being strict with it, I know my macros. I know my calorie intake versus expenditure. I know exactly what I need to do in order to make my body function properly, and I know I need about 100 ounces of coffee a day and another 150 ounces of water. Listen, I got it. I know all of the knobs to turn. As a 31-year-old man, I can feed myself. So when I look at someone and they say, I wasn't getting fed, I say, what was being preached? And they're like, oh, you know, the Bible. So that's on you. You see, the word of God 
is what's always preached. The word of God is what's always communicated. The word of God is what happens when you open up. That's the seed that is being sown. That's the seed that is being sown through, through your, 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 your podcast, through, through reading the Bible, through coming to life groups, through coming to life church, through putting your kids in life kids and life, uh, life kids early childhood and life church youth. That, that, that's the seed that's being sown. What happens though, the, the difference is the thing that we should take caution to, pay attention to, and the thing that we should really heed is what's the soil of our lives? What's the soil of our lives? I just want to give you a few questions today to help you process. What's the soil of my heart? And, and as we ask these questions and as we process through, my, my encouragement would be, every time you open the Bible, let these questions marinate in your soul. Every time you hear a sermon, let these questions begin to rise up within your spirit. And before you engage with the seed, the, the immutable, incorruptible seed, the word of God. Before you engage with that, which is all powerful and life-changing, and that is what changes people's lives. It's not good preaching. It's not cool lights or good music. No, no, no. What changes lives is the word of God. If, before we engage in that, let's ask these questions which bring us to understand what's the soil of my life. First question is this. Do I have a hardened heart? Do I have a hardened heart? Another way to, to really begin to process this is, have I truly encountered the personal power of the truth of God's word? Listen, that's why I love Baptism Sunday. We've got one coming up at all of our locations. I think it's August 13th. But that's why I love Baptism Sunday because it's people saying, I've encountered the life-changing message of Jesus. And it's changed me from the inside out. It's changed my life. That's why when we sing this song that we sang just a few moments ago, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's because of a life change that happened on the inside of your soul that got down and, and got past the brokenness, got past the hardened soil, and got into your heart, and you made a decision to follow Jesus. So have you ever encountered the personal power of the truth? The message of the kingdom is supposed to get down into our lives. Have we moved beyond the theoretical? Listen, I, I grew up in the South where more often than not, people would check their brains at the door and then come in and would experience something powerful. People would cry. There'd be emotions, all of that. I moved to the Midwest, and we check our emotions at the door. We bring our brains into the service, and we process. We process. We process. And I've had conversations with people, and I'm like, hey, you know I'd preach better if you smile. And they're like, well, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. And I'm like, tell your face, right? <laughs> And what I'd encourage you to do is process it, but then move past the processing into action. What I'd encourage people in the South to do is, no, 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 slow down and process. <laughs> You're doing a lot. Just process a little bit. What I'd encourage us is, hey, let's process, but then let's act upon it. Let's process, but then let's do. Have we moved beyond the, th the theoretical? Has, have you ever felt like the truth gripped you so greatly that you had to make a shift in your life? Too many of us are too unfamiliar with Christ to be propelled to continually surrender and experience what he has for us. I'm going to say that again because I think the potency of it is, is too much for us to miss. Too many of us are too unfamiliar with Christ to continually be propelled to surrender and experience all that he has for us. There's moments 
There's often a, a time or a service or a message or a song. But to continually do it takes a familiar, familiarity and a con- constant communion with Jesus for that life change to sink in. Second question that I think we should ponder is, do I have a shallow heart? Do I have a shallow heart? It's, it's when the seed falls into the soil of our lives, the word is preached, the word goes forth, you open your Bible, you read, and there's this excitement, there's this joy, there's this like, ah, oh, I'm getting something out of this, and it moves into the heart, and there's this experience, and yet that's where it stops. And we never truly understand the word of God and the power of the kingdom of God. For these people, when they become Christian, they wanted Jesus to enter their kingdom rather than choosing to enter his kingdom. These people want a blesser and not a savior. They want a friend and not a Lord. And it's very often that we find ourselves in this position where it's, hey, I I like Jesus for a teacher, but I don't like him as a Lord. This is when the rubber meets the road in our lives of will I surrender and truly give him my all or will I hold stuff back? It's, it's when we have a shallow heart. The seed falls upon the ground and maybe there's excitement in the initial stages and yet it doesn't take root. I've been at youth camps this summer. I've preached some. I've ran some. One of the things I love about youth camp is students get excited for the word of God. Like, life change happens. They respond, like, uh, they, 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 let, they pray, they, they spend time praying with one another, with talking to God. They, they, they let God speak to their lives. There's real life change, I believe, that happens in those moments. One of the difficult things I have also with, with youth camp is I've seen students go back home. And the change I saw in an altar at camp is not the change I see in their lives back home. And my plea, my urge on the last day of camp is always, hey, take it home with you. Don't let this be a moment, but let this be a lifestyle. Don't don't let this be something that happened at, at a place away from home, but let this be something you take home with you and impacts your everyday. Here's what I've learned, friends. The moments in our lives, while powerful, the moments with God, while great, the moments and, and, and maybe even the miracles that we pray for, while awesome, the truth is the moments rarely ever produce maturity. It's the process that does. It's the daily grind. It's waking up way earlier than you want to, doing the habits you know you need to do, reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, coming to church week after week. Oh, but I'm tired. No, I get it, man. Oh, but this, no, no, I understand. But it's the daily walk of following Jesus that produces maturity in our lives and cultivates the soil that when we receive the word of God, our hearts are ready And we are able to receive with fullness and with gladness. And the joy of the Lord fills us as we receive the word of God. And it changes us from the inside out. It doesn't start with our actions. It starts with our heart. It doesn't start with what we do and don't do. It starts with who we are internally and then works itself out into our works and our actions. Do we have a shallow heart? The last question I would pose to you today is this. Do I have a divided heart? Do I have a divided heart? And it's hard to tell with this soil. 
For the first two, they die out relatively quickly. Either the root never takes or the, the root takes and there's a lot of excitement and then boom, it's ripped away and it's gone. In this soil, however, it's hard to tell. For there can be some growth, there can be some excitement, there can be some life even. But eventually, it always shows its true colors. These people are committed to Christ, but Jesus shares control of things. It's like, it's like you're driving the car and Jesus is in the passenger seat and um, he, he only gets occasional say. It's not like your spouse. I know when they're in the passenger seat, they get to tell you everything to do. Turn left, slow down, press the brakes. No, go. Green light, go. It's like, duh, it's green. I saw it myself. <laughs> Some of you drive with the same people I drive with. Yet instead of allowing Jesus to have full control over our lives, we still maintain our control. We still maintain our walk. We still maintain our way. And there's a moment, even when Jesus himself would be in the Garden of Gethsemane and he would be moments before facing the cross and he would pray this prayer. Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Meaning, if there's another way, can we please figure that one out quickly? Because I really don't want to do this. Hey God, if it's at all possible, would you take this cup? Yet he concluded, at least twice that we know of, by saying, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. There's a powerful exchange that takes place in our lives when we know that we're about to walk into something that may not be what we designed for our own lives. And yet we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Hey God, if there's any other way, uh, I'd love it if you could make that happen. Yep, not my will. Your will be done. See, the divided heart doesn't come to that statement. The divided heart, you may not see the division on a daily basis. You may not see the division in their actions. But when push comes to shove, the division will reveal itself. The soil will begin to crumble. And instead of growing through what God has intended for you to grow through, not just go through, Instead of growing through the circumstances of life that God didn't plan, yet you're still having to walk through. Instead of growing through it, you try to go around it. But the gold is refined in the fire. And if we ever want to truly be refined, and we ever truly want to grow into who God has destined and created us to be, then we must grow through it. Through the circumstances, through the hardships, through the struggle, through the pain, through the difficulties, through the tears, through the rejection, through the, the, the loneliness, through the depression, through, the, through all of it, we must grow. Again, I told you earlier, I... I have the antithesis of a green thumb. And yet I do know 
that when you plant a seed, that seed will begin to extend outward. And very often it has to push through, push through, push through the dirt, push through the junk, push through the stuff. In order for there to be any visible growth at all, there has to be growth that happens underground. Growth that isn't seen by others. It's the growth that won't ever get you praised. It's the growth that won't ever get you recognition. It's the growth that won't ever get you plaques on a wall. It's the growth that happens as we'd see in in scripture time and time again. It's the growth that happens on the backside of a wilderness. It's the growth that happens where you you have to go through stuff that no one else is going to see. The question is, will you grow through it or will you push eject? A divided heart, more often than not, will push eject and will refuse to grow through the stuff in order to truly blossom the way God intended for you to. So I just want to give you, uh, as I close, a couple things that I'd encourage you with to uh, maintain a good soil and a good environment for receiving the word of God. I know this doesn't, this isn't a, hey, leave here today and implement these three things and you become a better person message. This is uh, how do I approach God's word and allow it to change me on a daily basis type of message. And so if you're like a systematic formulaic type person, I apologize because I don't have the A plus B equals C method for you today. Rather, I think these three questions posed will help us to continually assess where we are and what our soil is producing. And if our soil is proper to receive the word of God in our lives. Couple encouragements and then we'll close. Number one, don't listen with a hard heart. Let the power of God come in and begin to affect you personally. Let it be a, a real thing. When, when you hear a sermon, don't always think of how it applies to your, your in-laws. <laughs> don't always think of how it applies to your spouse. Process, hey God, what are you trying to speak to me? Holy Spirit, un, un, uncover my eyes that I might see what you're wanting to say in this moment. Second thing is this, make sure you don't listen with a shallow heart. Recognize that this is this huge Recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You're a sinner in need of forgiveness. And but by the grace of God, go I. Oh, where would I be if not for his grace? Recognize it. Remind yourself of it. Remember it. I'm not here because of my good works. I've not made it thus far because I'm so special. No, 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 my friends. In my own strength, in my own power, in my own ability, oh, it all falls flat. My, my, my life in my hands is a mess. So always remember, we're sinners in need of a savior. And the grace of God has been extended to each of us so, so genuinely and so kindly, so embrace it. The third thing is uh, get beyond these things to the place where the love of God creates obedience within you. Creates obedience within you. The fourth thing I'd I'd just give, and this is a, a slight caveat. I think some of us can find ourselves most unhappy 
because we forget that we're the soil, not the sower. You're not the sower. I'm not the sower. Yeah, they threw a microphone on my head and put me on a stage, but if I'm the sower, we're all in trouble. No, 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 the sower's him. I'm simply a soil. And it's my determination, my choice, my decision, and my responsibility for what my soil will be. So be, be reminded today, you're not the gardener. He is, and he's really good at it, like really good. So let him prune, it's gonna hurt. Let him cut, it's gonna, it's gonna be painful. But always know that the pruning and the cutting is purposed for your benefit and for your growth. For he's the gardener. He brings healing and restoration. He brings hope. He brings strength. So let us not try to do gardener things. Let us be reminded to focus on the soil. And he'll do the heavy lifting. God's not waiting for a future version of you to love. No, no, no. He loves the current version of you, but he has a future version of you in mind. C.S. Lewis would say this, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. Tomorrow morning, will you rely on him? Tuesday morning, will you rely on him? Wednesday morning, will you rely on him? Thursday morning, will you rely on him? I'm gonna keep going. Friday morning, will you rely on him? Saturday morning, will you rely on him? Will you rely on him? As if nothing had yet been done. We wake up and say, hey God, my life is not my own. I give it to you, I depend on you. If this is all about me, then this is all gonna fail. I surrender again to you and I ask that you would lead and I would follow, that you would guide and I would, I, I would be in step with you, Lord. I wanna walk by your spirit and not by my flesh. If I walk by my flesh, I know that this will all be destined for failure. But Lord, I wanna walk by your spirit that I will bring joy and light and love wherever I walk. Lord, in business and in conversations and in relationships, let me be a healing force, a, a restoration force. Let me, let, let me be a force of kindness in a world of evil and mean people. Lord, let me be a source of hope where there is no hope and let me be a source of life where there is only death. Lord, that's how I want to live and that's how I want to walk. But in my power, that will not happen. But in your power, God, all things are possible. You begin to pray like that when you wake up. Your soil is ready. So how do you take care of your soil? The key to spiritual formation is the willingness to listen. The practice of a disciple is daily recommitting and resurrendering to the teachings of Jesus. Will you do that? Will you take care of your soil? Let me pray for you today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for being the good, great, awesome gardener who takes care of us, who, who, who is kind to us, who is generous towards us, who, who loves us unconditionally, even when we were yet sinners, when we were yet enemies of you. You loved us to such a degree that you would send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins that we could be saved. I thank you. Lord, I pray that today we'd be reminded we are not the gardener. We are not responsible for the gardening. We are not responsible for the quality of how the gardening takes place. We are simply responsible for the soil that the, the seed lands in. How do we care for our soil? Lord, if there's anything that is dividing our hearts, let us remove that. If there's anything that is keeping your word from 
piercing down into the depths of our soul, let us remove those things. Lord, let us have a heart that is softened, that is willing, that is ready to receive that which you are speaking to us, that we might be changed from the inside out and we might be a force for change in this world for the kingdom of God. I pray that you would do a great work in us and that as we leave here today in just a few minutes, that what began as a seed would begin to take root, would begin to grow in the next days, weeks, and months to come would blossom into something great for the kingdom of God. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We celebrate you today. We honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.